you are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on your Monday afternoon. It's a new week of On the Line and you are on the line with us. If you want to call into the show, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Follow Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Tracy Rocker already leaving to the NFL? 11 days on the job. Levi, how you doing, man? Welcome back from your wedding weekend. I know you weren't the one actually getting married. That makes it sound like you were getting married, but you were a part of it. I hope it was a good time. It was a great time, but I'm happy to be back. I missed being on the show Friday, but we got a lot to talk about today. I mean, so much happened this weekend. Starting it off, Tracy Rocker, 11 days, 11, 11 days. days. Question to you, have you ever done that before? I don't believe so. I don't think I've ever done that. I think I've had maybe month stints where just you go to a new job and just something isn't working out, but I don't think I've ever had a job and then immediately got swooped up by someone else i'm not that hot of a commodity i'm not getting picked up 11 days onto a job like that i know somebody who has done that before and i won't reveal their identity but i know somebody who has done that before and the turnaround was two days and i completely understand what's going on here if the philadelphia eagles are going after tracy rocker look it's the National Football League, right? What I'm saying, I think most people agree with in principle, but considering it's Tracy Rocker and it's some people have, you know, you look at his track record as a coach in college football, he's bounced around from place to place. It's a second go round with Auburn. He just got hired 11 days ago, really hasn't even been working on the job yet, you know, and then he takes off. But if the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, this isn't confirmed yet. This was reported by Pete Thamel yesterday of Yahoo Sports that the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, were chasing after him to try and hire him away from Auburn and that he's expected to leave. If he does indeed leave, I can't blame the guy. The NFL's come is coming calling, right? You can't you can't blame a guy for that. You don't have to worry about recruiting. It's almost a cushier job. You don't. All you have to do is coach your position group. I'm sure there are other tasks responsible for a defensive line coach, but you don't have to worry about recruiting. All it is is focusing on developing your position group. And he's also going to one of the best defensive lines in all of the National Football League. He had, I, I don't know if I want to say a failed stint in the NFL, but he hasn't been back to the NFL since the Tennessee Titans back from 2011 to 2013. And... I guess that kind of sounds like he failed, right? Because if he had truly succeeded, he would have been in the NFL all this time because typically guys that succeed in the league, like the the NFL is so inbred's not the right word, but 
they all hire each it's other, very, right? Very insular, just very insular. Like it's, that's a it's great a, word. Very much, it's a lot of retreading of tires. It's, it's it's so hard to get back to the league once you leave the league because they all hire the same people. They they all hire the same ones. It's like that. It's like a click. It's just in high school, it is a click, and once you are in, you are in. But once you're out, oh, it's tough you're to trouble. get back in. It's tough. And if, if Tracy Rocker can't succeed here, something is wrong. You hit it right on the head. That line, Derek Barnett, Malik Jackson, Fletcher Cox. I'm forgetting someone. Brandon. Played against the Eagles last night in Madden. My quarterback was running for his life all game long. I mean, that that defensive line is insane. One of the best in the National Football League, for sure. So, I understand the move. One, you're hopping up to the league. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a name. Also, you have that talent at that position. Ah, I 100% understand. If you have a, if you have a job call on that is a better job, you have to take care of yourself. If that's the best move for him, he's got to do it. And I completely understand, completely understand if, if this issue, again, is just being reported right now, I understand it. understand it fully. And at the time that you take a job, too, and I go back to, once again, not going to reveal the identity of the person that I know that did this, but I know somebody who took a job, went through, had every intention to work there for, for you know, a long time, and then they get another job and a better job offer in the career path that they wanted to actually be in. It was two different career paths. They get a job in the career path that they want, doing what they exactly what they want to do, but up until before that point, they didn't have any options to do that. And then all of a sudden, just one, you know, by the grace of God, appears out of nowhere, right? You're going to take that opportunity 10 times out of 10 times. And for Tracy Rocker, this very well could be that going on to the NFL because it's the league calling, right? And he obviously made the jump to the Tennessee Titans the first go-around because he wanted to be in the NFL. He went back to college. He's been in college for quite some time. The opportunity hasn't quite presented itself. Now this is a real opportunity. As you've already pointed out, the defensive line's outrageously talented. The Eagles, of course, have underachieved. I think it was a little short-sighted for them to fire Doug Peterson after one bad year. I mean, he's taken him to the playoffs the past two years. He won a Super Bowl with him. Felt like it was a little little short-sighted under the current circumstances. The defense, not really the problem in Philadelphia. He's walking into a great situation, and he's getting back in the league, and this is a chance for him to create some type of longevity in the NFL, you know, substantially a, a substantial time period away or through his career right now. I mean, he's he's been coaching for... For a long time, he's 54 years old. So I don't want to say this is the twilight of his career because it's not, but he's he's definitely in the second half portion of his career as a coach. You want to be in the NFL, well, this is your chance to really create to create that position for you and to give yourself that leverage to be a coach in the league for quite some time. So I understand it from that perspective and from having known somebody who's done this before and did it on like a two-day window, like I, I I understand it a little bit better. And that person was close to me too. So I understand this a little bit better than maybe fans do from saying, you know, well, you know, I, I think most people that are upset with this are, are upset because they're they're Auburn fans and they don't want to see they, they don't want to see Auburn be disrespected. I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say it's disrespect. Obviously, I know I understand also why people are shaking their heads right now. Like, man, come on. Like, it's, it's you graduated hard. from here, right? Like, this is your school. And it puts Auburn in a tough situation. Th- this impacts Auburn in an unfortunate way because our show on Friday, we open up saying, you've got a complete on-field coaching staff. It's done. We're, we're, we're going through our, our, our final 
takeaways from having a complete on-field coaching staff and if Tracy Rocker goes on to the NFL you're not back at square one but now instead of being able to fully focus on recruiting you now have to now go back through through the hiring process over again with it with a new coach another another coaching search and one of the most important position groups on your roster I would say in the SEC the two two of the most important position groups they're, they're definitely in the top three I'd say the three most important position groups in the SEC quarterback offensive line and defensive line and now you're having to go and, and remake a hire and any types of relationships that you tried to build with Tracy Rocker and recruits that that you were trying to get on signing day now you have to do that over again it, 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 you had to do it all over again and signing day is not that far away it's it's right around the corner this is it's a big hit just from this perspective it's it's tough it's it's a tough blow to Auburn right now with him leaving again completely understand completely understand you got to do what is best for you I understand sometimes you just have to put yourself in that person's shoes and think if this was what was best for me I would have had to do the same thing and you have to give the man respect for that but it definitely hurts it's gonna hurt Auburn I mean the it was set up the whole staff was put in place and now you got to go find another guy I don't think it's going to destroy Auburn or anything no not at all I don't think this is like major panic level or anything that's not the point that either of us are trying to make this is more of like it's a minor setback I would say it's just a minor it's a minor setback Auburn now has to it's annoying more than anything it's 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 a a tedious thing that you now have to go and complete to fill this coaching staff after you thought you had already gotten there annoying is a great way to put it it's just it's just a small inconvenient annoyance that I don't think it's going to destroy Auburn's recruiting class I I don't definitely not going to help it but it's sure unless you know you just hire someone who recruits amazingly but it's just just a small little hiccup for what's about to happen hiccups another good word for it we are on it today look at us coming in fresh and rested on a monday moving forward with hiring at this position i'll be interested to see what they do what the philosophy is for this next position because coach harson has opened up about carnell williams zach etheridge and tracy rocker about how big of an impact it is for them especially in recruiting to have former Auburn guys being able to go into recruits houses and tell them what it's like at Auburn because the the big selling point for Auburn is the Auburn family the Auburn experience that's what Auburn sells to recruits at the moment they can't sell a championship pedigree they can sell well they compete in the SEC every three to four years you know and that's not what they're going to go in there and sell it's like what Alabama selling is a little bit different Alabama's going in there like you're going to compete for a national championship every year. Auburn's not selling that. Auburn's selling the Auburn experience, Auburn family, the Auburn campus, all of that. Unfortunately for Auburn, and why I think this recruiting class is so underwhelming to most, they can't get guys on campus. They can't sell that if they don't get guys on campus. That's the most effective way you do that. And with visits and everything, having having been the way that they've been with COVID and everything, they, they can't get those guys on campus college street they can't get those guys on magnolia they can't get those guys on gay street they can't get those guys at tumor's corner they can't get them inside the stadium they can't get the experience conveyed to them in a personal way in a personal message that's underwhelming for auburn's recruiting class right now that's why the rankings look the way they do that's why they have so few commitments as far as player ratings and star ratings it's pretty much on point for what you see it's not like Auburn's getting a lower class of player it's just Auburn's not getting 
as many players and they're missing on some of the higher profile guys that maybe they might have hit on in the past or they would have had a better chance to get in the past also you're going through a coaching change of course like you're looking at recruiting there's a lot of negatives and not a whole lot of positives to help them I'm curious as to how Auburn will approach this next hire if they're going to go for someone that mirrors a little bit more of some of the Mountain West hires we've seen come in if if they're going to look more like Burt Watts or if they're going to look more like well, honestly, outside of the coordinators, everybody kind of looks like Burt Watts as far as experience in the SEC. Like, is it a is it a Cornelius Williams? Is it is it a Carnell Williams? Is it somebody like that? Or are they bringing in someone with with loads of SEC experience? Because that's what Rocker brought to the table: SEC experience, and that he was a former player. Where where, where do they go from here? I'll be interested to see because there aren't any former players that I could think of off the top of my head that are hot names to be Auburn defensive line coach you had a good hire that was a hire that everybody loved it was an Auburn you know a former Auburn player it was fine it was a family it was it was one that a lot of it made sense it made I'll say that I don't know if it was a great hire I'll just say it made sense it was a very fitting very very fitting hire and now you got to start over again and find that out and it's going to be a little tough and it's it's going to be hard. They got to find a way to recruit guys without selling the Auburn experience and without a coach at that position. So I, I think it's important to really just get on this right now. Get a guy in as soon as possible. Signing day is coming up very, very, very soon. It's going to be important to get someone in as fast as possible so the recruiting class doesn't take any more hits. I actually, I actually disagree with that. I don't, I don't think it's as important to get somebody in as fast as possible I think it's just more important that you get a right fit here. All of his other hires have been very calculated. His is in Harson. All of Harson's hires have been calculated. They have been culture fits. And he's trying and a lot of them I think have a common thing of he's very focused on development. I think a lot of these guys are, are more unproven on the recruiting trail in the Southeast than maybe their development is concerned. Cornelius Williams, a guy who has done it at Troy, has the connections, but how will that translate to the SEC? there have been more development hires I felt like than recruiting hires Will Friend is a recruiting hire I think his development's been rather underwhelming at Tennessee but boy could they recruit offensive linemen they had four and five stars all over the all over the place they had a smorgasbord of four and five star recruits on that offensive line now how were they recruited and you know maybe there was a McDonald's bag or two you know but you still look at it and and not saying that Will Friend partook in that I'm just saying that Tennessee the Tennessee scenario right now definitely throws recruiting into question over the Jeremy Pruitt timeline. So that was a recruiting hire, but pretty much everybody else is development hires. You know, there's nobody else that really just jumps off the page for me as far as recruiting is concerned, other than Bobo and Will Friend. Outside of that, I'm thinking, okay, everybody else is just pretty much based on development. And so where does Auburn go from here? It'll be interesting to see what they what they go with. I would be willing to bet they go with somebody that's like a Cornelius Williams, has the track record, has has an impressive track record of developing guys. It wouldn't shock me if it's somebody that Brian Harson is knows. Wouldn't shock me if it's somebody that he's got experience being around like a Burt Watts. Maybe he's coached against him. Or maybe he's coached for him. I don't know. But I have a hard time believing that they're going to go and get someone that's that's going to have as much experience in the league as as Tracy Rocker as Tracy Rocker did. It's it's a little bit of a thing with Tracy Rocker as he was a guy who kind of stuck out for the, again, more in line with the Cadillac type of coach that we have, Zach Etheridge, you know, the in-house guy. 
Do, do you think Brian Harson's going to go back out and bring a guy from the Mountain West again? I mean, we've seen it happen. He's had a very diverse staff of guys. Hired somebody from the Mountain West today, Darren Usher, named director of recruiting at Auburn. We were going to get to that in this segment. There's not a whole lot to break down here. This is just one of those staffer positions that are that is on all that you know off field guys during usher since he's worked with harson before i like it just from the fact that he's familiar with how harson wants things to go harson's familiar how he runs his thing with recruiting so it it i like that just from the consistency standpoint for harson's sake previous seven seasons at boise state um he's been in this same role for the last five years at boise so that that's his primary that that's his primary resume when you're talking about as a you know director of recruitment it's been his last five years at Boise State he's he's been working in athletics and, and you know in terms of sports management for for many years now but his his primary experience in this category that's most relatable to what he will be doing at Auburn is the past five years at Boise State and he's obviously very close to Harson and I think at that position um you know he, he, he it's he's not as much he, he's not the guy that's going out there and walking into houses you know selling the program it, it, that is these off-field staffer roles are more are are going to be guys that Harson's comfortable with knows he's very experienced with because that those guys are more the technical aspects the logistics of the program that 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 it doesn't matter as much of can you go out there and can you get a guy to sign his national letter of intent to come to Auburn those are the guys that are that are your position group coaches and whatnot so I it makes sense I understand it you know and nobody's going to be scrutinizing these just news today that happened Auburn hired Darren Usher as director of recruiting coming up in our next segment Alabama basketball they cracked the top 10 good gracious I've, I've been seeing you know bracketology as high as a two seed for them is this Alabama team a two seed are they that legit we'll talk about that on the other side of this break here on on the line If you thought Nate Oates wasn't going to be a good hire, you were living in denial. It's a nightmare situation for the for the haters of Nate Oates. And I think there are still people out there living in denial. How? How could you possibly live in denial right now? It's gotten real. Alabama rate number nine in the country. Noel Garner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and on ESPN 106.7 you can join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you. What do you think about what's going on with Tracy Rocker right now and the reports that he could be headed to the Philadelphia Eagles? How do you feel about that? We want to hear from you on your Monday. Tell us what's going on in your mind in the sports world outside of that Alabama basketball, too. We'll, we'll talk to us about that. You know, if you're an Auburn fan, are uh, not not are you panicking but are you one of those guys out there that are still living in denial right now are you one of those people out there that is still living in denial right now about where this program is at because they every single game continue to prove that they're that they're here to stay this year at least and i and i don't mean this in an antagonizing way i just think it's the reality of this college basketball season this alabama team's for real now are they peaking too early are they going to do this in the postseason? A lot of that hinges on where they get seeded at. You and I were talking about this team two weeks ago, saying that their seed line could be as high as a five or a six if they continue to to trend. I did not expect them to beat LSU. I, I did not expect them to continue to be dominating these people as of two weeks ago. But two weeks later, 
now where we stand in present time, this Alabama team has found its way up in at least Fox Sports' bracketology as of last week before this past Saturday. They were on the two line. And I think it's a real reality now. Real reality, that that's redundant. It's a reality that Alabama basketball is going to be, if they're a two seed, and I can't believe I'm saying this because this sounds absurd to me saying this now, as absurd as it was probably to say that Auburn was in the Final Four several years ago, but Alabama is in the national championship conversation being a top 10 basketball program right now this season, this season alone. And then if they get on the two line, then they are definitely in the national championship picture. When you look at the teams that are around them in the rankings right now, there's not you don't look at any of the teams, at least around them in general, and are thinking they're infinitely better than Alabama or you know substantially better. You look at this Alabama team, they are deep. They have veteran guard play. When you just look at the stats from Saturday's game, where you have multiple players with double-digit scoring. That is a team basketball game, and they didn't play a great game. They really didn't, but it showed that this team doesn't have to be a buzzsaw and can still win basketball games. I think they played well on Saturday. I just think Mississippi State played well, too. Mississippi State did play a lot better than, uh, at least I was. I didn't expect them to come in and keep it as close as they did and play the way they played against Alabama. Because nobody else has. The thing that Mississippi State did that kept them, kept them in the ball game was that they made shots. They, they they went and they still lost by eight and they had you know a double digit deficit throughout the ball game as well Alabama kept them at arm's length away and it's funny that we're over here underwhelmed you know or, or, or your your perception of it is that it's not that Alabama went out there and you know just played great they won by eight but most of the time when you say you, you know you win an SEC game especially against a Ben Hallen coach team and because Mississippi State's been a tough out for the last couple of years they are not an easy team to play they're well coached they play hard especially on their home floor obviously the game was not on their home floor it was in Coleman but they play hard and they're well coached you take an eight point win any day of the week and I'm not if I look at a team and I say oh they they won by eight I'm not going to sit out here and say that they didn't play great I know why you're saying that though because we're used to seeing Alabama win by 30 points against teams like LSU and then oh they only won by eight what happened I think it was more of just Mississippi State was making shots it just it speaks to how I view this Alabama team and that I I am a believer I think this is a legitimate team and the fact that I can sit here and say they really didn't even play that great on Saturday and still won one by eight won a SEC won a conference game and Man, this team, they they have just, they have impressed me. I was not a believer at the beginning of the season. I wasn't a believer halfway through the season. They have changed my mind. I think this is a team, the way it is currently constructed, the way their head coaching situation is, Nate Oates has been a tremendous coach this year. The team has played very well. Again, you'll hear someone say it time and time again when March rolls around. Deep guard play, veteran guard play. That's what wins in March. And you know what this Alabama team has? It has veteran guard play. It has a deep team. It has deep guards. It's This team is set up to make a really good tournament run. As long They're as also set up, though, to have a yes. very underwhelming tournament. Yep. And I say that because they rely so much on shooting beyond the arc. And if the threes aren't falling, well, you're, very, you're, you're upsettable. You're one of the more upsettable teams in the NCAA tournament. 
I mean, we saw Auburn come out and look miserable in that game against New Mexico State. Yeah, that's right. But then they got shots, hot, and then they got hot and kept going. So right. it could it could go, and you see that a lot. It's a double edged sword, man. Teams that live and die by that three. Come tournament time, you'll see some teams just get hot. You think about Kimba's, you know, UConn Huskies that year. They get hot. They start shooting. They go on a tear. But then you see a team like Auburn, who could have been bounced by New Mexico State because they shot poorly. They just didn't have it in that game. They still end up making it to the Final Four because they catch hot. They did catch heat, and they are just, man, this Alabama team could go one of two ways in that tournament. And I'm just starting to lean on the fact that I can't doubt them anymore. Every time I doubt them, they come out and prove me wrong in some way, shape, or form. So I'm done doubting them. I think this is a legitimate threat to the tournament. Well, I think they've won the regular season championship. They've got a three-game lead on everybody in the standings, at least in the trailing pack. The closest to them is a 4-2 and two Missouri team right now, and they've played one less game uh, or a few less games than everybody else has, which is still why they're three games behind, of course. So the team that is in second behind Alabama right now has two losses. Alabama has none right, right now midway through the conference schedule. I don't see Alabama losing enough down this stretch with their remaining schedule to, to lose the regular season championship. I think they've done enough. They've already played the toughest portion of their SEC schedule. They've done enough now to win the regular season title if they don't completely fall apart. I agree with that. And it's we hit on we hit on that last Thursday or Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken, where we were talking about the bottom end of Alabama's schedule. I got the schedule right here. It's, they host Kentucky ooh. on Tuesday. They've already beaten them by a substantial margin, already beat them by twenty. I think you pick them to win at home with how comfortable they are going to be shooting on their own baskets. So I think you look at Kentucky winning tomorrow. The SEC Big 12 Challenge doesn't matter for the topic that we're talking about, but I think that this Alabama team's really going to get into the discussion for a one seed if they continue to win. It's possible that you could be looking at an undefeated or one-loss conference Alabama team. A four-loss team or a five-loss team every year is considered for a one seed. Now, this is a down SEC, but they're obviously garnering a lot of respect to be in the top 10 at this point, and they will continue to climb. Right now, this early, only a two-seat? You look in a month, when we're getting into March, they'll be in the one-seat conversation with the rest of the schedule. They host a top-25 Oklahoma team. Or excuse me, they're on the road against the top-25 Oklahoma team. That's a win that boosts you in the net rankings. That's a win that puts you in the conversation for, for a one-seat when you can add that to your resume. Because right now, their non-conference resume isn't that attractive but they're going to be going through multiple data points when it gets to the end of the year to try and differentiate who's going to fit into one of those last spots as a one seed, and beating a top 25 team is going to look good. The rest of the schedule, though, is pretty bad. Easy. It's pretty cake, bad. Cake. South Carolina, Georgia, A&M, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State again. They get to play Auburn. That'll be tough. They still have to play Missouri, too. There's some tough games, but ugh. more of on the line. On the other side of this break, we got Jeremy Law coming up. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Keep up with all the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at, at @RadioALSports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. And joining us of Radio Alabama Sports on the phone lines with us now, Jeremy Law. Jeremy, how you doing today, my man? What's going on, guys? Hope everything's well on the plane. 
It is going great, and I know things are going great for you with the way that your alma mater's basketball team is playing right now. You continue. Last time we talked, you picked against them, and they you know, proved you wrong. LSU ended up getting destroyed by Alabama in the midweek, and then over the weekend, they, they won with a, with a handy victory, I would say. Even though it was eight points, I, I, I still feel like Alabama's playing as great as ever with their win over Mississippi State. This Alabama team's up to a two-line on Fox Sports' bracketology. They're up to number nine in the country. Can you believe it? Alabama basketball fans have earned this run. It has been a decade and a half of agony. Um, I mean, it's just been horrible. A couple postseason performances in between. I think only one tournament win. Now they're they're kind of at the mountaintop of Alabama yourself the question Noah don't roll your eyes but can Alabama make it to a final four right now they're hot undefeated obviously in SEC play they haven't lost in over a month I think we're like 37 days since the last time Alabama lost a basketball game you got to start asking yourself is Alabama a final four elite eight type basketball team I think elite eight the way they're playing right now if they don't make it to the sweet 16 I almost think uh when you look at how it is, not how you thought they would go starting the year, but if, how they're playing right now, if they don't make a Sweet 16, you almost feel disappointed. If they make an Elite Eight, you start feeling like, oh, goodness. And then if you make a Final Four, man, it, it would be the kind of a perfect year for Alabama fans. If Alabama could win a national title in football and make a Final Four in basketball. Well, I was going to ask you if this team's in the national championship picture. Not Elite Eight. I wasn't going to sell this thing short. I was going to ask you, though, is this team in the national championship picture? Because I think with the way that the schedule is shaping up for Alabama right now, they've got a very easy – after they get past these next three games or so, they're, they're going to have a yeah. very easy run of things in conference play. I think they've already got the, comp, the regular season conference title in the bag. They're going to be in the picture for a one seed. If you're in the picture for the one seed, or even as a two seed, you're in the national championship picture, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know where they sit right now. What uh, nine and eight ranking uh, AP and coaches bowl? They are. I mean, I don't think selling elite eight would be a little bit short. But I mean, if they kind of win one game that they may not supposed to win, you know, they're they're in a final four now. Can they chase down a one seed? We'll see. Alabama, you know, the their schedule right now isn't super easy. They get to play Kentucky. They're a seventy percent FBI. FPI percent chance of winning, which I never thought you'd see Alabama, Kentucky on that. SEC Big 12 Challenge, they got to go to Oklahoma. That's going to be a tough game on the road against a really good team. You get LSU again where you just shot lights out. They have a chip on their shoulder. Missouri is a top 15 team, ranked 12th. So it doesn't get really easy over the next four. But then you look down the stretch, all winnable games, and then you close out the SEC regular season against Auburn. I think I really do think like if you don't make the Sweet 16 in your Nate Oates right now, man, this this fan base could go from happy to make the tournament to what the heck just happened if we're not in the Sweet 16. Um, I think Elite Eight right now is where a lot of people are shooting. A Final Four would be a great, um, you know, kind of trophy right there at the end to play in a uh, regional final. But um, I think a national championship picture is such a stretch. You got uh, Gonzaga, you got Iowa, you Baylor, a lot of really good basketball teams out there I still think are uh, a little bit better than Alabama. Alabama basketball couldn't let Auburn just have this once. They just couldn't let them have it. They had to come out and win. And you've also been a lot more bearable than I thought you were going to be. You said you were going to be unbearable, and you've come in here and tempered expectations and noted some of the tough games on the schedule. So that brings me to this point. What, what out of the games is the actual toughest one that you think they're facing? Is it – 
Missouri or is it Oklahoma? Is there a sleeper that is sitting in the dark that LSU nobody's talking about? Auburn? Yeah, is it LSU or Auburn? No, listen, uh, Missouri's probably the toughest on paper right now, right? A, a top 15 team on the road, they could – you know, they could be there in the top 10, depending on how they play this week, going into next week. So that'll be a road game in Columbia. That's not going to be an easy place to play. But the way that if Auburn comes out hot and plays like they did in their last game with Sharif Cooper, I think they're sitting pretty good. I'm still scratching my head trying to figure out how Auburn lost to Arkansas with the lead that they had. Um, but if Auburn comes out and plays the way that they are capable of playing with Sharif, they could easily beat Alabama and Coleman. I think that's – I mean, it's such a different team. I think – Auburn with Sharif is kind of sitting there kind of where Alabama is right now. Maybe just a couple of conference losses. Could have had a, a really, really good um, pre-conference get slate right there, put some wins together early in non-conference play. I don't know, but I, I am managing expectations. One thing I've always told Noah, I'm not going to believe it till I see it with Alabama basketball. My life has been full of heartbreaks, full of almost. We're going to sit back and wait to see it. But I think there's a couple things for Alabama that – if they check a couple boxes in every game, you're going to see that they they're, they're going to win those games. I think you look at the Mississippi State game and you and you kind of see it. You got to realize Alabama, Mississippi State, Mississippi State made 27 field goals. Alabama made 28. They took the exact same number of field goals. Um, they they both shot 61 times. Mississippi State made four more free throws and shot four more free throws. But for Alabama, going 14 of 34 from three, that's 41.2 percent. The Mississippi State's 4 for 14 with 28.6. So they shoot the same amount of field goals. Mississippi State gets more free throw attempts and more free throw makes, and Alabama still wins by eight. The 39 to 45% three-point percentage for Alabama is where they're going to be able to check a lot of boxes. They hit that with the amount of threes that they shoot, regardless of how many times the other team goes to the foul line, regardless of how many um, the the uh, field goal discrepancy of how many shots you get up. If Alabama checks that box, guys, they're going to be really tough to beat if they can be from 39 to 45% shooting up from three-point land just by the sheer number of threes that they put up. Switching gears here to football, and I can't believe we're going in reverse now. The The, the first topic is, is basketball when you're talking about Alabama right now. It's not football, but Bill O'Brien has been named the offensive coordinator at Alabama the, the, I, I haven't talked to you at all about this, so I, I am genuinely interested. Where where are you at with this hire? Well, you know, it's like, listen, the Texans weren't great, right? They were good. They they won the AFC South what, four times in a Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, but they weren't great. But tamper your expectations uh, up a notch for him because he doesn't have to worry about everything else, right? He can sit here, focus on the offense. We know he's a pretty good quarterback's coach. Regardless of the drama between he and Deshaun Watson while he was in Houston, Deshaun Watson was a you know perennial 4,000-yard passer, throwing a lot of touchdowns, maybe a little too many interceptions for Texans fans. But Deshaun Watson was still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And for Bill O'Brien to come in with this loaded roster, this loaded recruiting class with Bryce Young, Paul Tyson, some other options at quarterback with the receivers that he has coming back, plus what's in the recruiting class, offensive line, three out of five starters coming back, if you count Chris Owens, who's the sixth-year senior, um, probably an improved defense for Alabama because they're bringing up a, back a lot right there in the front seven. I think your expectations for Bill O'Brien is not do what Sark did because they just had three Heisman Trophy finalists out of the top five right there with Najee, Devontae, and Mack. Tamper those back a little bit, but this offense is to me can be almost as good with an improved defense. And you add Marone and you add Gillespie, who's one of the best. Or Gillespie is one of the best. Um, Running backs coaches in the country at North Carolina, he's coming back to Tuscaloosa to replace Charles Huff, and he's already a dynamic recruiter. 
Um, you're losing a little bit on the offensive staff, but you might gain it in some other areas. Who knows? I like Bill O'Brien. you got uh, three former NFL head coaches on Alabama staff and Saban Marone and Bill O'Brien. Where else does that happen? Yeah, that's right. Something that's very evident in what the Houston Texans offensive system was, was they were going to pepper you with the run straight in the middle, and then they were going to take shot plays over the top with Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's one of the primary deep ball throwers in the NFL, or at least in, in terms of how many deep balls that he's throwing. Not necessarily one of the better deep ball throwers, but they threw a lot of shot plays with him. Alabama's losing some shot play receivers to the NFL draft. Who are Who is that next guy for you to step up that can stretch the field for Alabama at wide receiver? I mean, I know a lot of people may think I'm crazy because Mechie was, you know, the third option on the team and became option number two. Um, once Waddle went down and then you had Billingsley come out as a top option, so he went back down to option three. But I think John Mechie um, is an absolute stud. I mean, he's a fast guy. We, he, we've seen him catch deep balls. He's not as much of a guy over the middle like Waddle or um, Devontae would have been. But you add Billingsley to that Mitch, you got um, Ja'Cory Brooks coming in. You got Ajayi Hall coming in. You got JoJo Earl, Christian Leary. I mean, these guys are going to be ready to go day one. A couple of those guys are six three, six four guys that you can uh, throw down the sidelines with. And you also feel comfortable with them going over the middle and being able to shield out a defender with their body and make plays. So, Bill O'Brien's got a lot to work with, guys, and he's got a he's got a pretty good quarterback waiting on him too, and Bryce Young. Jeremy, it's good as always, my man. I hope you're doing well, and I appreciate you hopping on with us. Thanks, guys. That was Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports with us on the line today. And uh, Levi, I mean, this, this Alabama basketball team, it's, it's good to hear it now. I mean, he, he's buying in. He's definitely buying in to the Alabama program, and I think a lot of people should. I, I don't know. We opened this segment up, or, or two segments ago, we said, I don't know how people can still be living in denial right now with this Alabama basketball team. You can't. It's They have, they have shut up the haters. They have... They've put, proven it. They've proven that this team is real, and that team is a threat for a national championship. We just went over all of that with Jeremy about how this team could really go on a run. And it's crazy to think that if they don't make it to the Sweet 16, it's a disappointment, considering at one point this team lost at home to Western Kentucky. They were 16-15 and 15 last year. Now, I mean, th- this is the type of – this is an even quicker rise for Alabama's program than even what Auburn experienced. Now, the thing is, Avery Johnson – laid the recruiting foundation for the for this group already a lot of these guys were Avery Johnson players that Nate Oates has just finally been able to get the most out of so you know it's it's possible for Alabama to be in the national championship picture at the end of the year with the veteran experience with the guard play and then with the youth that's finally really stepping up right now I mean Josh Primo who would have thought that he would have exploded the way he has this Alabama team is as dangerous as ever so it's something that that Alabama fans can be excited about for this season. They've got, they've definitely got postseason aspirations uh, and major postseason aspirations at that. We got more up on the line on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on ninety eight point three FM and ESPN one zero six seven. I can't believe it. First hour of the show, almost almost done with it. This last segment of the first hour. Big thank you to Jeremy Law for joining us on the line in our last segment. Uh, if you missed that conversation with Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports, you can go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. 
Uh, it's always good catching up with him. He's our Alabama guy that we get to talk to every week. Uh, we'll be looking forward to next week's conversation as well after a, another full week of Alabama basketball where they've got some big games. they got Kentucky in the midweek tomorrow and then on the weekend uh, they'll be taking on Oklahoma, the SEC Big 12 Challenge, Auburn. They'll be taking on Baylor. I mean, there's a lot coming up in basketball this week that people will have to keep tabs on. Auburn taking on Missouri tomorrow as well. We'll get the preview on that game today. Also, we've talked a little bit about Tracy Rocker as well, possibly heading to the NFL. What could that do to this Auburn staff that looked to be complete as of Friday? Well, maybe we spoke a little bit too soon. And then in the second hour as well, we'll get to Auburn basketball smashing South Carolina over the weekend, setting some records for SEC road wins in their history. So a lot still coming up in the show just because our number one's coming to a close pretty soon. we we still got a, a big time second hour coming in. But first, before we wrap up this first hour, let's get to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Stuff is about to go down on The Bachelor. It wouldn't be The Bachelor if the pot wasn't stirred. New women about to join the show tonight at 7 on ABC. The Good Doctor follows the show at 9. Movie selection tonight if you've got four hours to burn, and this is definitely one that you could do that for. Avengers Endgame is on TNT from 4 to 8, and a new episode of Snowpiercer comes on right after. Start your sports week off with some college basketball at 6 p.m. Syracuse at Number 13, Virginia on ESPN. Loyola Chicago at Bradley on CBS Sports Network. And UNC Greensboro at Furman on ESPNU. At 8 p.m., there's a top 15 matchup in the Big 12 with number 12, Texas Tech. At number 14, West Virginia on ESPN. Also at 8, Utah State at UNLV on CBS Sports Network. And Oklahoma State at Iowa State on ESPN2. The West Coast wraps up the night with Arizona State at Arizona on ESPN2. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Aaron Rodgers, will he make it to a Super Bowl ever again? And, I, and, and it's always the same conversation at this same time of year every year, so we need to approach it from a different way to make sure that we're not being stale compared to what everybody else is talking about. What everybody else is going to be talking about with Aaron Rodgers is, what is his legacy? What, what's next for Aaron Rodgers? What, you know, can't win the big game, can't win the big game, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure that's the way you're going to go, too, because you like to talk about rings. But honestly, I mean, like, let's dig into this. And he has won a ring before. Like, he's in a different – and you look at his career. I think – and the question that I want to ask is, are we being too hard on Aaron Rodgers? I don't think we're being hard enough on Aaron Rodgers. Whoa. Just from last night's game alone, you have to think there is – it's absolutely inexcusable. You are at home at the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, number one seed. You have the number five seed coming in. Green Bay had 10 more minutes of possession against that. They won the turnover battle. Could not get points off of turnovers. Just couldn't do it. And it's that's where it gets inexcusable for this game at least. There have been a lot of times where Aaron Rodgers has bailed out poor coaching decisions. I mean. More times than not, I feel like. Yes. The, the, uh, I mean, Mike McCarthy with his, was his head coach. Now yes. we see what Mike McCarthy is without Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, Matt, why would you? Why do you kick a field goal? Why I was do asking you kick the same questions goal? during why? the Bills game, though. I mean, Man. look, like Sean McDermott's over here, like proving to Bills fans, look, guys, we can kick field goals now. It's different. It's, <laughs> it's not different. I just. Man, it is just so puzzling to me sometimes to see decisions. I feel like some of these head coaches are so smart that they end up outsmarting themselves and just looking dumb. I need in that you position. to get your I need you to get your hands ready for me. 
Okay, because you're about to be doing some quick research for me. Because I do have a few questions. I'm going through Aaron Rodgers' postseason log here of games. And first of all, look at Aaron Rodgers' stats in the postseason. They're 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 pretty good. Let, let's just be real; they're pretty good. First of all, he's got a 12 and nine postseason record, which some people are like. Well, he's barely above 500. It's like most quarterbacks are below 500 in the postseason because you're guaranteed, unless you win the Super Bowl, to end your year on a loss. You have to literally make deep runs every time you go in the playoffs in order to have a winning record. There are very few even great quarterbacks out there with a winning record in the postseason so the 12 and 9 doesn't mean as much but the stats are solid 65 percent completion percentage you know that, that's fine it's good he's got 5,669 yards that's a lot 45 touchdowns to 13 interceptions is the true testament here when you're digging into these stats he's got 45 td to 13 interceptions he has performed well in the postseason he's, he's performed well and on average he's getting sacked about yeah He's getting sacked a little over two times a game. And so his offensive lines have performed pretty well for him. But Aaron Rodgers has never – he's had good receivers, but I think now later in his career he's had less good receivers than he had early on in his career when it was still you know Jordy Nelson and his, and his crew of guys there. But as, as time has gone on, the weapons around him have dwindled and they decide to you know draft his, quote, replacement – you know out of utah state so like that's a good like that's a good choice when you could be giving him receivers but you look at his postseason career he he entered the game in 2007 of course that was not he didn't he did not record any stats in that game he just got into it so he was he was handing off in a a blowout against seattle where they won 42 to 20 so ignore that his first real playoff action came in 2010 uh, for the 2009 season, they played against the Arizona Cardinals, lost 51 to 45. If I'm remembering correctly, that team went to the Super Bowl, right? I, I believe so. Yes. So the, he loses to a team that goes to a Super Bowl. There, the next year he wins the Super Bowl for the Packers over the Pittsburgh Steelers. The next year, and this is where I need to do research because I can't remember if this Giants team won the Super Bowl or not. Uh, 2012 Super Bowl did the Giants win it because he lost to the Giants. They yes, they ended up beating the Patriots that year. So again, (laughs) there he loses to another. And that year, I believe the Giants were a wild card team. He loses to the Giants. There's a Super Bowl team. The next year in 2012, he loses to the 49ers. They went to the Super Bowl. The next year after that, in 2013, he lost to the 49ers. I don't know what the 13 49ers did, but I don't think it was the Super Bowl. But he lost to them by three. In 2014, he lost to the Seahawks. Pretty sure they went to the Super Bowl as well. Let's keep going here. 2015, lost to Arizona. Their season ended the very next week to Carolina in the NFC Championship. He loses to Atlanta in 2016. They blew the 28-3 Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. They lost to the San Francisco 49ers in 2019. They went to the Super Bowl. And then this year, 2020, they lose to the Buccaneers. They went to the Super Bowl. You look at his postseason resume, he's losing to teams that at least went to Super Bowls, right? I, I think that we may be a little bit too tough on Aaron Rodgers when we look at his situation and we see who his coach has been, and we know the dysfunction that his head coach was, with the relationship that was there, and you might blame that on Rodgers, you might blame that on McCarthy, whatever. You look at the dysfunction that's been there with him and his coaching staff, he hasn't had the most weapons in the world. He hasn't always – I mean, they didn't figure out a running game until now with LaFleur. This is the most complete team that he's had. It, and he's still throwing to nobody. He's still throwing yep. to Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, guys who aren't performing that well. So it's hard. 
Packed hour number two, we'll have crunching the numbers with Sting, Will of Misfortune. We got Auburn basketball talk, Auburn football talk. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. You are on the line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line. Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and on ESPN 1067. And Auburn and Opelika, if you want to join in the show, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Find Levi and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. If you missed the first hour, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Last segment of the first hour continued into off-air discussion, and I'm, I'm riding with this one. I am excited about the future for the NFL offseason coming up after this Super Bowl because there is tantalizing storylines, Levi, as you have pointed out, to me off-air, the amount of quarterbacks that could be changing jersey colors. Aaron Rodgers even saying in a press conference yesterday after losing in the NFC Championship game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he said that he's uncertain. His future in Green Bay is uncertain I think that's more of just kind of a leverage play than anything. I think, and I don't even know why he's trying to get that. Maybe he's just pouting in the press conference. I don't think he actually means that. I don't know. I feel like they're trying to run him out of Green Bay right now. You draft, they draft Jordan Love. They're kicking field goals instead of going for it, and it just seems like it's, there's something sour there. I think that second point is unrelated. They're not kicking field goals in the, oh, in the NFC Championship game out. to try and run. They're they trying did, to make him mad. That, they're trying to make him mad. No they're trying to make him mad. I don't think that they jeopardized their Super Bowl chances just to try and run Aaron Rodgers out. And if they did, they deserve to lose <laughs> every single football game from here out. 100% agreed. As difficult as it is to win a Super Bowl, it's... He's already won a Super Bowl, first of all. So I do think that we're being a little bit too tough on him. And then when you look at his his career, every time he's like seven times he's gotten bounced out of the playoffs in his postseason career. Seven times he's been bounced out of the playoffs. It has been by a team that went to the Super Bowl. He's, how, he's, how, 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 <laughs> it's hard. I know. It's it's tough. It's tough to sit here. I think yesterday we have to give him we, we have to be harder on him for yesterday. Not the whole time. Again, he's the first quarterback to lose four straight conference championship appearances. That's hard. But you know what that also means? Sounds like LeBron James. That means you're getting to the conference championship. <laughs> that's true. Regardless if you're losing when you get there. You know, that's only four teams do it a year. Only yeah. four teams do it. It's hard. It's hard to win in the NFL. Yesterday, we have to be hard on him for that individual game. He could not. He did not win. He did not play well. They had everything lined up to win that game. And they choked it away. They choked that game away against an inferior opponent where they won the turnover battle and dominated the time of possession and still 
lost that game. That one? I don't know if I'd say he didn't play well. At least 350 I mean, yards, 70% completion percentage, three touchdowns to one pick. I mean, that's issue, a pretty good game. But the issue was he wasn't capitalizing on the turnovers, and that's sure. and that's the difference in the game. And you have to. If you're Aaron Rodgers and you're playing Tom Brady, who throws the – what he, he threw three picks yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. And if you're getting that many opportunities, you have to cash in on those if you're Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And that is why – you have to be hard on him for yesterday's performance. You have to. You can look back at the other ones. And Twan, Tom Brady won in, in their game against um, – why am I drawing a blank right now? Well, it got them to the NFC title game. When you lose to the Saints two weeks yeah, ago. They beat beat the Saints. Saints. Yeah, they beat the Saints because of the turnover battle. I mean, the, the Buccaneers do what they needed to do to win. Tom Brady, Tom Brady doesn't always have his best performance, but he always does what is needed to win the ball game. Oh, he didn't look good at all yesterday to me. Sure. He, looked, he looked old. He looked washed. Gronk. I looked like he was running in slow motion on a 35-yard reception, and I still don't understand how he didn't get tackled. He looked like an old man just weaving through NFL behemoths, gladiators, and you have Gronk just stumbling around with his with his carcass, his remains of what used to be Rob Gronkowski. Regardless of the conversation about are we being too hard on Aaron Rodgers, how, how should we remember him? The Packers would be insane to move on from him because this is the closest the Packers organization has been to a Super Bowl since 2016. This is the closest. The only way you ship Aaron Rodgers out or part ways or move on from him is if something happens like a Deshaun Watson situation right now where it is a top-to-bottom souring of Aaron Rodgers from just upper management, head coaches, and I don't see that right now. It could be. It could always change. He did. He alluded to it. He might be out. He might want to get out of there. He might want to go somewhere else. You know, San Fran is always tantalizing. You made the comment off the air that everybody wants to make that that link with him and Shanahan and California. It's it would be hard to get Aaron Rodgers shipped anywhere. He's got a big contract. A lot of people can't afford it. A lot of people salary cap, salary cap restrictions make it very difficult to move him. It it would be borderline impossible and even with the salary cap restrictions who can offer anything who what what would Deshaun Watson right I mean not Deshaun what would Aaron Rodgers fetch I mean he you're looking multiple first round picks so right and I for that's, a guy that's pretty much the, what you send him for and so then you're like what locations have the first round picks the draft real estate to to send that to the Packers and then and the only reason why you do that is if you are you're hedging your bets you're like this is our window like it, it's a Tampa Bay thing and the Buccaneers were great to get Tom Brady and a lot of these players through free agency so they didn't lose anything to pick up those guys like that's the perfect storm for Tampa Bay you look for Green Bay right now and, and Lafleur yesterday he doubled down in his press conference saying yeah we want him here of course we want him here he's the heart and soul of this team of course I'm paraphrasing on everything but the heart and soul of this team party he literally said that he is the heart and soul of this team LaFleur wants him there you know why LaFleur wants him there he wants him there because this is the best chance he will ever have right now at least in the near future he's young in his coaching career but look he understands that this window for the Packers is about a two-year period now maybe even less than that we may only have one year left truly in this window for Aaron Rodgers to win a Super Bowl 
in Green Bay just because of his age where he's at right now he's like 37 years old how much longer does he have before he starts reaching the precipice he's been dealing with some injuries he's still looking pretty good for being a 37 year old quarterback I think he's he and Patrick Mahomes are two of the best arm talents right now in the NFL the Packers would be insane it is so difficult to get into a position to have this talented of a team with no holes and to just give it up to just throw it away because let me tell you what right now no other quarterback that the Packers could get right now will give them as good of a chance to win a Super Bowl as Aaron Rodgers. Name me a quarterback out there that isn't borderline decrepit for quarterbacks that that has won a Super Bowl. And the reason why I say borderline decrepit is because Ben Roethlisberger, I think A, is coming back to Pittsburgh, but B... Why do you shake your head? I don't. I don't know if he could take it. I don't know if he could handle. I don't know if he's year. coming back to football. But if he does come back to football, it will be with. Pittsburgh. It will be with yes. Pittsburgh. Agreed. I think they. I think the Dwayne Haskins signing alludes to the fact that I don't think Ben's coming back. So outside of Ben Roethlisberger, name me a quarterback out there that can go and bring home the hardware because they've had the experience doing it before in the past. At least Aaron Rodgers has done it before. And also, name me another quarterback. That, that you can look at and can perform as well as him throughout the regular season and then also have as good of a postseason record as he does. He's still 12-9 and nine in the postseason. He still wins postseason games. He's gotten bounced seven times, seven, by teams that went to the Super Bowl. Seven. That, 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 that's got to be unheard of. I, I can't go with, that's not a common stat that you find out there on people. That's something you would have to literally go and pour through game logs. But I would, I, you know, I'm in my mind, I'm thinking there can't be that many guys that have gotten beaten by seven teams that have gone to the Super Bowl. There's not a, there's not, the, most guys don't go to many. the playoffs that many times. <laughs> That's true. And the fact that they're in the playoffs as many times as they are, it's Aaron Rodgers. You said Mike LaFleur doesn't want to get rid of him because it's Aaron Rodgers. You're going to keep Aaron Rodgers unless something happens. The thing that really concerns me moving forward for this team, they have a lot of free agents coming up this year. He said a lot of guys are in question, including myself. I mean, you're losing your two running backs, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, are, out, are free agents. Alan Lazard, Tunyon, who came on late and coming strong this year at the tight end position. Mercedes Lewis, who is an older face, probably going to retire, not come back. He is yeah. He is quite up there in age. Older model Mercedes, I understand. And, <laughs> I love it. I love it. But it's going to be hard to – build this team back up that's the one thing that really does worry me this is the closest they will be to Super Bowl contention but they also have to bring in some guys they got to bring in some they got to help him out give him some receivers Devontae Adams is but an, instead they wanted to, instead they wanted during this window that they have Aaron Rodgers and they're trying to go and win a Super Bowl they draft the Utah State quarterback T Higgins was available I think Justin Jefferson was still available at that spot too was he already gone before then yeah okay well, you trade up. Appreciate it, Sting. <laughs> Facts and info. <laughs> it turned Sting. Thank you. While well, I'm crunching the numbers on the next segment. There are a lot of, there's just a lot of guys that could have went and gotten and helped him out. And he's made a lot of guys look good. I mean, that's that's what great quarterbacks do. Drew Brees, has, Drew Brees did it his entire career throwing to guys named Austin Carr, Willie Sneed. Aaron Rodgers has done it with a lot of these guys and made them better. At least later in his career. 
he did have he did have some good ones early. Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, he had a lot of help early and on. And I don't know if Randall Cro- Randall Cobb has the c- career that he had if it's not for Aaron Rodgers though. I agree. Let's just with that. be honest with that. I but agree Jordy with that. Nelson is a great name. You know, he, he's he's thrown to some good he's thrown to some good tight ends as well in his time. I think Jimmy Graham was with them for a little bit, right? No, Jim, may- Jimmy Graham was with them, but maybe not as good. At that time, but that he Jimmy was Graham was a waste of he's a waste of a jersey on a football team every oh, year wow. he's out there. Man, absolutely useless player. Didn't he used to play for your team too? My hatred for Jimmy Graham has nothing to do with his former affiliation with the Saints. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm just he he is the perpetual zero 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 stat line, and then I play him in fantasy football, and he has 25 points out of nowhere. <laughs> Every you play single against year. him, not that he plays for your roster, sure. Oh, yeah, he's he, he's never going to be on my roster. <laughs> never will he ever be on my roster. Sure. Ever. The Packers would be making a huge mistake. They've already mismanaged. In many, and, and let me just be real, Aaron Rodgers is a hard player to manage, but I think that there have been key situations over the years where they have mismanaged Aaron Rodgers. I, I 100% agree with that. They have mismanaged a lot of things with Aaron Rodgers over the years. One, keeping Mike McCarthy around for a long time was not a good move. Bringing in Jordan Love, not the greatest move. Man, this one thing that we haven't really hit on that I was just thinking about, the division itself is it's pretty weak right now. And if you can bring back Aaron Rodgers, you got to think the Vikings have been underperforming. Stafford's probably leaving... The Detroit, or he, I think they I hope did. He ends up I, in New England. I think they did say that he is. They're going to part ways. The Bears have been the Bears with Mitchell Trubisky and have been in that sort of limbo with their quarterback situation. They went eight and eight. They're average. They were five and one at one point. Think about yeah. that. Eight and eight. So the division is incredibly winnable. You have a you have a generational talent in Aaron Rodgers. You got to go all in. You got to go all in and go for this Super Bowl. It is a it's a Super Bowl. It is a championship roster. You have a weaker division. You have to take, you have to do it. You have to go all in, do whatever you can to keep Aaron Rodgers happy and make this push. And the other part of this is one day you're going to have to rebuild. It's inevitable. That's the way the league is structured. Everybody has to go through it at some point. New England Patriots fans, they understand that very well right now. They had their glory days longer than anybody else. I'm going through it right now. They the Saints, have, right, Saints are going through it right now. Yeah. It. Everybody has to rebuild at some point. You might as well have had the good times before it, though. Don't go. Don't go down without a fight with Aaron, without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, w- it would be absurd, I think. There is no scenario for the Packers to move on from Aaron Rodgers where it works out. There's no, there's, I, there's no way they bring home a Super Bowl outside of it. It would be a it would be a colossal it would be a colossal failure by the Green Bay Packers organization if they chose to do that. You know what's not a colossal failure? Continuing to listen to On the Line. We'll be back on the other side of this break. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the live with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Find the show wherever you get your podcast. You can find it. Follow ESPN 1067 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 1067. Find the website 
on ESPNAU.com. Before we get to crunching the numbers with Sting, I want one more point about Aaron Rodgers. One more point. The main difference here, it's interesting. I would have loved to have had a Packers-Chiefs Super Bowl. And my reasoning for that is, I believe that Patrick Mahomes, and I've just thought about this, they're very similar. Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, very similar quarterback play styles. Both very have improviser-like tendencies. They have the ability to make these crazy sidearm throws, do things outside the pocket. Great arms, right? The difference between Patrick Mahomes, like if Patrick Mahomes doesn't win this Super Bowl against Tom Brady, what happens in the subsequent years following this Super Bowl, how the Chiefs manage him, will determine if Patrick Mahomes' trajectory as a quarterback is that of Aaron Rodgers or that of Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl earlier in his career. Patrick Mahomes has already done that. If Patrick Mahomes wins this one, he already surpasses Aaron Rodgers and what I said is a moot point. If he does not win this Super Bowl, though, the way that Patrick Mahomes has managed from here out will determine if his if his career is, is the same as Aaron Rodgers or not. If they mismanage him like the Packers did so many times with Aaron Rodgers, it, then he could end up being a great quarterback and just not win Super Bowls. You know, The difference here is the Chiefs have a great coach, much better than Mike McCarthy ever was with the Packers. And a great quarterback coach who gets the most out of quarterback talent. And he has the premier talent, and he's getting the absolute most out of him. And they've prioritized getting Patrick Mahomes weapons. I mean, Miko Hardman, Tyreek Hill, the offense is just as much for them as it is also for, for Patrick Mahomes. So the Chiefs, much better situation, obviously, for Mahomes. And I think everything that I just said will end up being a moot point. But I, And I'm not going to paint this picture that Mahomes' career is at a crossroads, but the the like alternate universe world for Patrick Mahomes, if they don't win this Super Bowl and like things go poorly like over the next year or so, like I could see him having a similar type of career trajectory as Aaron Rodgers, great quarterback, but struggled to win the Super Bowls. Thing is, the Chiefs, they recognized their window with Mahomes, and they said, we will pay you all the monies. We'll give you all the money. We'll give you all the weapons. We will put you in every great situation, and all you got to do is just go out there and be you it's time for crunching the numbers with sting we debuted this segment on friday in preparing for auburn basketball's game against south carolina our intern sting a numbers guy a finance major as well he knows his numbers and he brings it to the sports universe sting how are you doing today i'm doing great noah levi thanks for having me back on here well, you did such a bang-up job the first time. We, we ignore you. your support of organizational cheating and the Houston Astros. Hey, gun to a gunfight, man. <laughs> the, the, hey, I, you know, I, I'm going to joke with you every time you get on the radio with us. That's just going to okay be a running it. joke hey. is support organizational cheating from the Houston Astros. Bring it on, because I do. <laughs> they got a world they got a, champions. They got a world series out of it. They did, and, and they're not taking they're, it. They're, they're not. not taking it away. It's I'm a different s- type of. It's a different type of punishment than what the NCAA levies on folks. The NCAA like takes it away, and it's like I, I don't even know if that's what they should do because I still saw it. I still I still loved it. I'm I'm with Sting. I'm with Sting on this one. I support uh, the organizational cheating too. Says the guy. Says the guy whose whose franchise did Bounty Gate. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hey man, it's a dirty game. <laughs> you gotta do just, what you gotta do. You gotta get down in the mud with just with, with the rest of the teams. There's a reason Dan Marino's overrated. He didn't cheat and get a win. All right, Sting. Let's get into the numbers here. They're taking on Missouri tomorrow. Big game. Auburn basketball is. Uh, take me through those numbers. All right, so I want to again highlight, and I probably won't stop doing this. The difference that Sharif Cooper makes on this team. Before Cooper was ruled eligible, Auburn was only scoring 74.3 points per game. 
since he's come back in the five, I think it's five games now that he's yep. played back, 86.6 points per game, including that 109-point outing against South Carolina. And Auburn is shooting nine and a half three-point field goals per game. That's 3.7 more than Missouri. Missouri's only shooting, I think, that works out about 5.8, something like that. So live and die by the three, clearly here. And Missouri is netting 8.3 offensive rebounds per game. If you remember from last week, that's about half of what South Carolina was getting on the offensive glass. But they are averaging about 34 total rebounds a game, so they're getting a lot of rebounds off the defensive glass. So I think Auburn's going to have to manage that tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Missouri's Drew Smith is averaging 16.3 points per game. They're on a three-game win streak right now, including, of course, that win Saturday against Tennessee. So Smith and Xavier Pinson, I believe, is the other guard sure. in their backcourt. So those are the two guys I think they're combining for around 27 points a game. And So a loaded backcourt there for Missouri. Yeah, uh, not a whole lot of frontcourt action. There is a guy uh, in their frontcourt. His name escapes me at the moment. But he gets the lion's share of their rebounds. Sure. So it's going to matter. Auburn is with all those defensive rebounds. Auburn is going to have to make shots in the first try because it seems like they're not going to get a whole lot of re- offense. What's Missouri's rebounds. tempo like? It's kind of average. It's pretty slow. I think uh, the Ken Palm rankings it was like 171st mm-hmm. in the country. So it's about so right during the, the Quanzo Martin days. You know, obviously they're in the 300s easily. They're one of the slower teams. Yeah. It kind of seems like there's still some vestiges of that style of play, though, with not getting off as a rebound. Is Martin not still their coach? Uh, I thought he was. Okay, well, let's look into this because I feel like that is not the case still. So we'll, we'll keep looking at this. Is well, that all Auburn's you got for pace us? is in the top 50. So He is still the head coach at Missouri. Wow, how, did I, how have I missed that? I could have sworn that they moved on there. Maybe it was an assistant that got hired recently for them that like helped them bring on a like so. a, a high profile recruit or something. Maybe I'm just getting mixed up. Maybe I'm just thinking football program moved on from their coach, basketball program yeah. did it too. So getting is that all up. you got for us? Yeah, that's all I got. Not not as exciting as Friday's numbers, but I mean, I don't know. Well I want a prediction from you then. Prediction? Okay. Matt, me and Levi will make our picks on the show tomorrow. So what, I've been what's mulling your over this. I don't know. I, at first I would have said Missouri just because they have be- they have better wins. They've been the better team all season, but I don't know. I think this is a different Auburn team than they were a couple of weeks ago. I think they're hitting shots, and I think that win against South Carolina is a big confidence booster. And I just feel like being at home, I think they'll make just enough shots. They're shooting so many more three-point shots per game. I think they'll make just enough to escape at the end. Kind of definitely feels like a clash of styles game as well. I mean, Missouri's always going to prioritize defense, closing out possessions than what Auburn will on the offensive, Auburn's more focused on offense and getting out and running. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we see time and time again they're not always being guys in position to go and close out because they're trying to they're trying to get ready for outlet passes. So I, I'll be yeah. interested to see how that affects the game tomorrow when those two teams square off. Auburn shooting though, if they do not shoot the ball well, they could lose bad. Yeah. <laughs> bad. I would think <laughs> it's going to be a lot easier to make the shots in the home court than it was, you know, on the road. They didn't have a whole lot of trouble with that Saturday. Mm-hmm. So. Well, this, the, I mean, they did shoot, what, it was 52% from beyond, yeah, they shot 52% from beyond the arc. They shot actually the exact same percentage from inside the, or just total field goal percentage versus beyond the arc. They shot they like 51.9% yeah, from, like from the field. 96% from the free throw line. Yeah, too, 15 for 16 from the free throw line. Auburn went off, and a lot of it, it wasn't always the best shot selection. You know, they were hitting no. some contested jump shots. I mean, Alan Flanagan was splashing on a South Carolina was splashing on South Carolina defenders time and time and time again. 
But Sharif Cooper had 11 assists in the first half. You know, his ability to move the basketball around in that first half. I'm like, is this guy going for 20 assists? That would have been legendary. He only had one in the second half. Obviously not as much playing time for him as well. But the offense is going to the offense is gonna look a little bit different. But it was the first time that Auburn had scored more than 100 points in an SEC game since 1999 against Alabama. But it was the most points Auburn has ever scored in program history on the road in an SEC win. So, yeah. Huge for Auburn to go out there and drop 109 on South Carolina. We were on pace for like 114 to 84 at halftime. Crazy we that we close. actually almost got there. I said that jokingly at halftime, and then boom, it got yeah. it, they got pretty close because the tempo has not slowed down. We see Auburn's tempo continually increasing every single game since Sharif Cooper has came back. You're going to look at the KimPom.com rankings. Just take note, like – this week they might be ranked in the 50s i think you were telling me was where auburn was at they were in the yeah. 50s in like tempo rankings like last week they were in the 90s it mm-hmm. like keeps getting it keeps going up because sharif is pushing the tempo and imagine how high they would be if sharif played the entire season like how how high they could have cl- like climbed with that tempo it's crazy i mean he's a difference maker in terms of how fast his team wants to go you score 109 points before you're going into a home matchup with a ranked team you are feeling. You got to be feeling good. You are feeling right. good. I mean, it's, a lot of people are feeling good about Auburn. They have them as a favorite in tomorrow's game, actually, really? which is surprising. Right now, they're sitting around a one and a half point favorite, which right. is it's weird when you see a ranked team it's coming the into jungle. A, this it is the jungle. It is the jungle, and it is going to be a very big game for Auburn tomorrow night. Again, ranked team coming in. You just dropped a hundred and nine points on Saturday. You're feeling good. This is where you can really build the program. There's no postseason aspirations. You just have to keep going, keep riding the ship. You have to just find some positives and build for next season. And this is a big, big game going in for the for the future of next season. It's a prestige win for Auburn, for this young group. Makes Sting, you feel good. Appreciate it, my man. Thank that you, was man. crunching the numbers with Sting. And it's a prestige win for Auburn. It is. It is a prestige win if Auburn goes out there and beats Missouri because they're they're a top fifteen, you know, top seventeen basketball program this year. They just beat Tennessee. What's going on in Knoxville right now? Good gracious, they're having a hard time with things. They've had a really bad two weeks, really bad, or maybe just really bad week because all that happened last week. So really bad week for Tennessee and. You, you, you think if this team can beat Missouri, you serve the SEC's already put on notice for Sharif Cooper, but I don't think the SEC has fully been put on notice yet by Auburn basketball. What, what kind of serious damage has Auburn done since Sharif Cooper has came out? Okay, they beat Georgia, whatever. They beat Kentucky, whatever. They're not very good either. They beat South Carolina. They barely have played any games this year. They they hang with they hang with Alabama. I think that's the they big thing. They hung with Alabama. They hung the with one. Arkansas. And that's it. But what kind of real damage have they done? They got a chance to do something because Missouri's trying to hang around in the SEC title race. Hang around with us on On the Line. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Twenty-seven minutes left, and on the line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports 
Central Alabama, number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on foxsports983.com and on Facebook, that's foxsports983.com. Levi, it's our favorite segment of the week coming up on Monday. No better time than ever to do the Wheel of Misfortune. It's time for the Wheel of Misfortune. We take a look at the butt-fumbling, head-scratching choke artist of the week and select the biggest loser on the Wheel of Misfortune. What is this, like the third edition of Wheel of Misfortune? And, uh, you know, you've got yours and I've got mine. Let's spin the wheel right here and see... Who is going to be you, Levi? I'm going to let you go first. Let's spin it. Me. I'm the biggest loser because I have oh. to watch the Buccaneers go to a Super Bowl, a team that the Saints beat twice and go to a Super Bowl. I am the biggest loser. This I am is living, not something you want to nominate yourself I am for. living in a nightmare right now. I couldn't sleep last night. I woke up having fever dreams, nightmares. It is Awful. Patrick Mahomes, please. Andy Reid, please. I am absolutely begging you. I don't want to come on here after the Super Bowl and have to nominate myself again for the biggest loser. This is probably my least favorite Super Bowl matchup as well, which goes against the grain. A lot of people are saying that this is the best Super Bowl matchup that we could have had. I think the best Super Bowl matchup we could have had was Packers-Chiefs. The second best one, I would say either Bills Buccaneers or Bills Packers. I think Bills Packers would be way more fun to watch. This is my least favorite one because I'm not super excited about Tom Brady winning another one and I'm not super excited about seeing a team repeat either. I it's that's hard. That's the that's the tough part of it. You're you're split between cheering for Brady who if you don't love them you hate them. You know, that's what success does. If you don't love them you root against them. That's what success does. And then you're having to cheer for another guy who might win his second one, repeat, and starts, you know, submitting his legend as the greatest of all time. You know, if he if Patrick Mahomes wins this game, that is a big stamp for a greatest of all time type of career. You went too early with that kind of talent, with that roster, with that coach. It's you, then you don't want to cheer for that because you're going to sit there and four years going, man, I shouldn't have really cheered for Patrick Mahomes at Super Bowl. Now he's got. If he wins this one, if he wins this one, Mahomes and Reed could be the next Brady Belichick, right? You have to you have to think about that. It that's one of the things that could happen. I think that's I think that puts him on the career trajectory to have a dynasty like next few years. All right, let's spin it for me here. I hate it for Bills fans. I absolutely hate it. I was about, during the break, I said I was going to say Aaron Rodgers. We've talked about him enough today. The Buffalo Bills, I hate it for Bills fans everywhere that that's how it went out yesterday. Shaking my head about kicking field goals. I would have even kicked the field goal. Yeah, They kicked two field goals in the second half that I wouldn't have even attempted either of them. I wouldn't have attempted the first of them. You get that deep inside the field, and you got like fourth and three, and you're already trailing by two touchdowns. 
kicking the field goal and cutting the thing to nine. Like, do are you really have that much confidence that you're stopping Patrick Mahomes? You have to you have to think about who's on the other side. You don't you don't kick field goals. You have to go for touchdowns. You're down by that much. A, a, a touchdown can really get your like it changes the perspective of it for your defense a little bit. It also allows the margin of, of error for your defense to be a little bit better. You see, if you give up a field goal on the next possession, then everything that you just did, you just wasted time. You just wasted time. And you're telling me you're trying to you're trying to contain Patrick Mahomes to a 30-yard window, a 30- or 40-yard window? Because, look, Harrison Butker is money. He's proven it. He's money. He's missed two field goals this year. He's money. You, you hold, you're, you're holding Patrick Mahomes to a 40-yard window? Tyreek Hill could go 40 yards on one play, and they threw it five yards down the field to him. Let's just be honest. You can't contain. It's not even just about trying to contain Patrick Mahomes to forty yards. It's trying to contain Tyreek Hill and Mecole Hardman, some of the other guys that they've got. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Travis Kelsey. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe I forgot about Travis Kelsey. I was like, who's their possession guy? Oh yeah, Travis Kelsey. Right. So like, it, you can't contain that into a forty-yard window. If you went and scored a touchdown, sure, you don't want to give up the field goal, but it's not crushing. At least you're still on the positive side of the last two possessions in terms of chipping into the lead. You at least chipped into it a little bit. Even if it was only by four points, you got into the lead a little bit. But And, and it changes the scope of the rest of the ball game. Well, guess what happened? They gave up two field goals back-to-back when it happened, and even a touchdown, too. So they give up a field goal and then a touchdown, and, and, you, and it's like, great, I'm glad you knew how to kick field goals. This is the AFC Championship game. You're trying to knock off the best team in football. You don't do that by kicking field goals. When any team starts settling for field goals against Alabama in college football, I'm like, you're digging your own grave. I don't think you need to kick field goals ever. I, I'm, I'm, t- I am beyond, uh. <laughs> I am beyond tired of watching soccer players get trotted out there kicking field goals. That's a hot take. I mean, I would go as far as to say that. I've, where, I've heard kickers one, should never kick. But it, well, think about this. I've, in those types of situations where you're playing from behind, though, I'm definitely more on the side of going for it. I would go for it every time. I don't ever want to see a field goal kicker get trotted out there. What? I don't. I don't remember who it was you that said this. You've got a lead. I don't remember who it was that said this, but think about you're watching basketball and you pull off the entire basketball court. You pull off LeBron James at the last minute and make some other dude do a swim rally to win the game. That's what it feels like to me trying a kicker out there to win the game when you've been playing football the whole time. I hate it. <laughs> the other thing that you have to ask yourself too in this situation is, does Josh Allen going for it on fourth down give you a better chance to win the ball game than your field goal kicker making the kick. I think knowing the, full well the risk. I think the I think the analytics suggest you going for it in that situation. I could be wrong, but I'm very very positive that the the what's the word I'm looking for? The gain you have, the percentage boost that you have to win that game outweighs the percentage you would lose if you don't get it. Also, there's not a high percentage boost when you do kick the field goal. So to answer my question here, if he makes the field goal, then your situation doesn't really change. It doesn't change You still have to get two stops. You still have to go and score twice. And you're going for the touchdown twice. It was still relatively early in the third quarter. It was like midway through the third quarter. So you're still still going for two touchdowns from there to win the ball game. You really don't want it to go to overtime. If you go for it, and you get it, of course, there's no guarantee that you're going to score a touchdown or anything. I think one of them was on, like, it wasn't inside the five-yard line or something like that. But even if you don't, even if you don't get 
if you don't get the first down, then obviously you're still in the same situation. You still need two stops. You know, like not getting it and getting the field goal didn't change your situation. You still had to go down and score two touchdowns and get two stops. But if you get the first down and go on and score a touchdown on that drive, it does change your situation. It does change your outlook. It does change your motivation on the field. It does give your defense hope. You kick a field goal, you're like, it, it, it's a win for the defense. The Chiefs want you to kick that field goal. Packers fans, the, the, the Buccaneers want you to kick that field goal, you know? Like, they want you to do that. that, that they feel like that's a win, especially with the way their offense is playing. If, if the Packers go down there and score touchdowns, it, it, you know, like maybe, maybe just football, period, lost this weekend. Maybe that's a will of misfortune thing because we're kicking too many field goals in crunch time right now. When you need to come kicking back too win. many field goals in general. I will state my claim on that. We're kicking too many field goals at every. We're punting too much. We're kicking too many field goals. I don't want to see any more kicking. I want it out. I want it out of the game of football. Get it out of here. No kickoffs. No punts. No field goals. I don't want to see it anymore. Did Andy Reid win the AFC Championship game punting? No, he went for well, it on fourth and three it. with Chad Henney. Went for it on fourth and three with Chad Henney. And that's the other thing about that ball game. Just revisiting a week ago. He did not put handcuffs on Chad Henney going out there. He did not change his offense. Now, did that lead to an, a, a, you know, an egregious pick in the end zone? Yes. But I'll talk about a punt on third down, you know, but he still went out there and ran the same offense with Chad Henney, or at least a, a close, it had a close resemblance to what he was doing with, with Mahomes. Obviously, not as good of a quarterback, but it's not like he was holding back. He was still throwing the ball. He was still going for the win. He did not change his philosophy because he knew full well that if he held back, that gave Cleveland what they wanted. That gave Cleveland the chance to try and chisel back into it. Andy Reid said, look, this is an unfortunate situation, but I'm going for it all. I'm going for it. Why would I, why would I not? It's playing with confidence. You're not playing scared. You have that championship, menta- you have that championship mentality that you acquired last year. You know what it takes. You cannot play scared and win these games. You have to just put the chips on the table and go all in on it. It's I, it's simple when you say it like that, but, I mean, it really is that simple. You cannot put yourself in bad positions by being scared of playing football. You just got to go for it sometimes. Our on-the-line poll at ESPN 106.7. Go and vote in it. Will Aaron Rodgers even make it to the Super Bowl ever again? 26% of you say yes overwhelming majority say no we'll wrap up the show on the other side of this break here on on the line on the line on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm and espn 1067 we just had an excellent response to our twitter poll this I'm still cracking up about it. This is good. So our on-the-line poll at ESPN 106.7. Go find it on Twitter. On-the-line poll, will Aaron Rodgers even make it to the Super Bowl ever again? 23% of people right now so far have voted yes. 77% of people have voted no. And I would assume Auburn Elvis at Auburn Elvis is one of those 77% because he said, I guess that depends on fluctuating ticket prices and how well he invests his money. So, uh, he's, and he's definitely meaning going as a, as a fan one bold, day, bold not, call. As a player. not as a player, <laughs> as a fan. That's good. That's good. Uh, you know, you know, he doesn't have any issues with money, 
because he's got a giant contract with the with the Packers, like one hundred thirty four million dollars at the time that he signed it. So um, he's, don't forget uh, about the endorsements. State that State Farm money is there. There's a lot of State Farm money for him. That's right. That is true. So let's take a look at what's on TV tonight as we wrap up our last segment of On the Line here on the Monday edition. We've got the drive with Bill Cameron following us today at four o'clock. So stay with us for that. But we still got one more segment for you. Let's go and take a look at what's on TV tonight. Hey, everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Stuff is about to go down on The Bachelor. It wouldn't be The Bachelor if the pot wasn't stirred. New women about to join the show tonight at 7 on ABC. The Good Doctor follows the show at 9. Movie selection tonight if you've got four hours to burn, and this is definitely one that you could do that for. Avengers Endgame is on TNT from 4 to 8, and a new episode of Snowpiercer comes on right after. Start your sports week off with some college basketball at 6 p.m. Syracuse at Number 13, Virginia on ESPN. Loyola Chicago at Bradley on CBS Sports Network. And UNC Greensboro at Furman on ESPNU. At 8 p.m., there's a top 15 matchup in the Big 12 with number 12, Texas Tech, at number 14, West Virginia on ESPN. Also at 8, Utah State at UNLV on CBS Sports Network. And Oklahoma State at Iowa State on ESPN2. The West Coast wraps up the night with Arizona State at Arizona on ESPN2. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. We've got about seven minutes left here in the Monday edition of On the Line. And let's wrap it up talking about some of the news that happened over the weekend. Tracy Rocker could be headed to the NFL. Auburn could be losing its defensive line coach. And I think I have a different opinion on this than most people do. I'm okay with this. I understand. I wasn't wasn't overly thrilled with the hire to begin with. Like I wasn't jumping over the moon saying, oh yeah, this was a knockout, right? because there there are major questions about his ability to to successfully recruit the position now he's a good developer but is his does he have the ability to successfully recruit that would that was something that we'd have to see at Auburn which he's definitely been coaching for a while because he's a 54 year old coach and he's been around the SEC at several stops you know he's been at Arkansas he's been at Auburn he's been at South Carolina he's been at Tennessee he's been at Ole Miss he's been at all these different places and you know he hadn't really done a whole you know as much as I think people would have liked to have seen him do on the recruiting trail but the reason why I'm okay with this is because, look, it's the NFL. He obviously wants to be in the NFL because the Tennessee Titans, he had a stint with them from 2011 to 2013. It obviously didn't go as well as he would have wanted it to because it didn't keep him in the NFL. The NFL, as you've put it, is such an insular league. I love that word, insular, because they really don't hire a lot of times outside. They really hire – most of the time they are hiring somebody and of course, every year you see somebody from the outside get hired. Like this year, it's Urban Meyer. But it's so you don't see more oftentimes than not someone getting hired from the outside coming in. It's always inside their circle. They're always hiring kind of the same coaches over and over again. Just New Year, different team. You know, it's like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think, or you know, there was rumors that they were possibly going to go hire Hugh Jackson. It's like, in what world does, after what Hugh Jackson did in Cleveland, like think make you think that that's a good move, you know? It, that happens all the time in the NFL. It's like, once you get bounced out, it's hard to get back in. Tracy Rocker's getting a chance to go with one of the best defensive lines as far as from a talent standpoint is concerned in the NFC. Possibly the second best defensive line or third best defensive line, I think, in the NFC when you're talking about what, what level of players the Eagles have across that front four that, they, that they're running. I think it's one of the best in the league period that defensive line from a purely from pure talent 
perspective, the players you have on that defensive line, I think it's a top defense in the NFL. You cannot blame Tracy Rocker for having this opportunity and wanting to go take it. It's the Eagles. It's the NFL. It is a talented line. This is where you can go and really prove yourself because it's apparent that he does want to be in the NFL. And what there's not a there's really not a better situation that he could walk into as a defensive a, line coach. Or a defensive no. line coach than a defensive line with that talent. Maybe the Rams because you get to coach Aaron yes. Donald. You know, That's, like or you go to the football team and go coach Chase Young. But yeah. I mean, Pain and mm. sweat. I mean, yeah. opportunities like this do not come available very often. Is Ryan Kerrigan still there? I don't. Th- I think he is. I don't think he played very much this year. Okay. I, don't, I don't think he was used. He might have been hurt. He might have been injured. The Eagles definitely are a better location than the Washington football team. But still, like, I understand what you mean there. And and this is not a huge opportunity for him if he does indeed go there. Of course, Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports reported that yesterday that he's expected to take off of the Eagles, but still nothing confirmed at the moment that I've seen. How does this impact Auburn's coaching staff? Well, it's kind of annoying. I understand Auburn people being irritated about this. It's irritating because you just completed your staff and now you can put all that behind you. You can finally get to work. But now you have to restart with that specific position group. It's one of your more important position groups. It's a top three importance position group when you're talking about football. I mean, quarterbacks, offensive line, defensive line, those are your most important position groups, especially the hires that you make there. You just lost a guy that you obviously were excited about because of the way that Coach Harson talked about how important it was to have a former Auburn player on his staff or having former Auburn players on his staff. Well, now he just lost one of the most illustrious names that he has, you know, that he had on his staff with Tracy Rocker. Because he had a great name considering his time at Auburn when he played, but also his coaching career. He's, he's been all around. Auburn fans loved him. Auburn fans loved Tracy Rocker, the player. They were excited for him coming to coach. It's, it makes, it's, I'm going to be very interested to see what's going to happen. Are we going to see another former player another person with Auburn ties or are we going to see someone who's completely out of it someone you know from the Mountain West Conference that Brian Harson is probably familiar with I doubt you see Auburn ties here none of the other hires have really and of course there were two more I guess with Carnell Williams and Zach Etheridge but Zach Etheridge's hire I think is a little bit different than Carnell Williams's hire but I don't think you see an Auburn ties hire here because who who what what guy in the defensive line world is that connected to Auburn right now where they're in a position to come back to Auburn and I can't think of anybody straight off the top of my head that's like making waves on the defensive line out there it's I, like I agree with that I don't think it's going to be an Auburn someone with Auburn ties as a former player simply because I don't think I can't think of anybody I don't think that candidate exists I don't yeah, not it's nothing moment. against what they're trying to do I just don't think that player exists or that coach exists and most of the other hires have followed I mean, most of the other hires are from the Mountain West <laughs> they he, are he's bringing guys he knows Boise State Fresno State they, they've hired some analysts from Utah State, just hired an analyst at Utah State. I mean, they, it's been heavy. It's been heavy outside of the SEC hires here. It's been about half and half. And so I don't, now I thought maybe there's a connection to Derek Mason that ends up at Auburn, but I don't know who that is because Vanderbilt, I'm pretty sure, retained their defensive line coach with Clark Lee, their new head coach. So there's some things to work through there. And it's just, it's more annoying than anything. I don't think it's a huge detriment. I don't think it's going to affect recruiting in this recruiting cycle in any way because Auburn's already, you know, up against it with other reasons why they're going to have a hard time closing out strong on this recruiting class just because of how late the carousel happened for Auburn and how far behind they are in, in commitments. And Coach Harson last week in his press conference, even saying things along the lines of that they're not going to 
fill their class up, possible that they may not even fill their class up entirely, might be relying on some transfers. This hire it just provides another thing that another task that Auburn has to do before they can truly close the page on this transition between coaches. You felt like that that you were beginning to turn the page, but now it's like, nope, you still got to go back, still got to. So, and there, there's more work to be done on Auburn's coaching staff if Tracy Rocker is to leave. Obviously, none of that confirmed yet either. That does it for another edition of On the Line. The drive with Bill Cameron will be with us in just a moment here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Stay with us. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't go anywhere. You know where to find us.